The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, welcome to the 253rd ever show of All Around Sports. Reach Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. We broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's ahead for the week. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at iirsportsoneword.com. Also, we will be joined next segment by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham of Bama Magazine, with whom we will delve deeply into college football. Well, yesterday was simply one of the saddest sports days in recent memory. Uh, It began with a shocking death of Jose Fernandez of the Miami Marlins in a boating accident, and it ended with the death of the king, Arnold Palmer. I'm from western Pennsylvania, about an hour from Latrobe, where Arnold grew up. I grew up in Altoona, a little bit to the east. And uh, Arnold was just pure Pennsylvania, to say the least. Uh, I got to see... Everybody has an Arnold story, and I have one too, uh, which was simply, as a young boy who had only golfed a couple times in his life. I was asked by a friend to go to the U.S. Open in 1973 in Oakmont, uh, again near where I grew up, and some have called it the last great day of Arnie's Army. Uh, It was simply uh, the Saturday of the U.S. Open. I had never been to a tournament in my life, and as I said, I had just golfed a few times, so... Minimal interest, to say the least. But it all changed that Saturday uh, as I was at Oakmont and uh, in the shadow of Latrobe. So, in effect, Arnie's home course in many ways. And he made a tremendous charge. Uh, Was up high on the leaderboard by the end of the day. Uh, As I remember, he had... uh, uh, maybe a half a dozen or so birdies, many of them on the back nine. And at the end of the day, in the Arnie's Army, the crowd was just absolutely roaring all day long. And, of course, the next day, Johnny Miller shot his famous 63 to win. 
But uh, that Saturday was something I'll never forget and basically sparked what has become a lifelong interest in golf for me. I've uh, golfed throughout my life and have also had the pleasure to now cover golf on a regular uh, basis for this radio show, Uh, probably culminating in this year where I covered two majors, uh, one at Oakmont in June, the U.S. Open, and I went down there simply to uh, relive the memory of the very day I was talking about back in 1973, and then also got to cover the PGA down at Baldessarol in New Jersey. So two majors in one year, that's a first for me, both within driving distance, no less, of where I am here in Boston. So it was, uh, uh, again, as many people would say in the world of golf, uh, I, I owe it all to Arnie and what he did that day because it's just, uh, I'd never seen anything like it in my life. And then just this year also uh, had the opportunity to visit Arnie's course where he lives at Bay Hill in Orlando where he holds his famous tournament every March and uh, literally stayed in a hotel, coincidentally, just right down the street. So I visited twice this year. I uh, got to walk through uh, the Bay Hill clubhouse and whatnot, and it just oozes Arnie from every pore of his being. Uh, You can just feel Arnie the minute you drive into the parking lot. Beautiful course. Uh, One was right before, a couple weeks before the Bay Hill, so it was all decked out with the stands and uh, getting ready for the tournament. And it's like a museum with just Arnold everywhere. And so it was great. And again, just a sad day uh, uh, yesterday with the passing of Arnold Palmer. So... Uh, with that said, let's take our break, and next up will be our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham of Bama Magazine, so don't go anywhere. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Join Matt Fish and Alex Clancy every week for Rebound Radio. We'll talk with the legends of basketball about how they got started, their rise to the top of the game, how basketball has changed their lives, and what they're up to now. Just like the game itself, you'll find that lives can pivot on a dime. There can be last-minute saves, and life is anything but run-of-the-mill. Rebound Radio can be heard live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. You won't want to miss the next show. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. 
Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports, and I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And I was speaking in the first segment about uh, the death of Arnold Palmer, uh, one of the greatest sports figures in history. Uh, Tough year when you lose Muhammad Ali and Arnold Palmer in the same year. And uh, let me just uh, introduce, of course, our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., how are you doing today? I'm doing very well, John. Glad to be here. Well, we're glad to have you. And before we get started, AP, I just want to talk about, uh, appropriately enough, a golf tournament that I covered last week uh, right up here near me and uh, at beautiful Wellesley Country Club. Uh, it was the USGA Senior Women's Amateur and a great gallery last Thursday. Watched the finale where Ellen Port age 55 of St. Louis, won her seventh USGA championship, uh, defeating another 55-year-old, Andrea Krause of Baltimore, uh, in the 18, in an 18-hole final championship round. And 55s were wild that day because it was the 55th uh, USGA Senior Women's Amateur Championship on a Donald Ross layout. So, Again, on the very week that Arnold Palmer passes away, I had the opportunity to truly, truly get back to the roots of golf. I spent uh, two, three days there last week and the week before, covered the, you know, went up for the practice rounds. And again, Donald Ross layout and Wellesley Country Club, 15 minutes from my house. Uh, it was a great week to just. Uh, it's been beautiful fall days here in New England at, uh, you know, at this tournament. And it was just, uh, again, spectacular. Uh, and again, at uh, the very week that Arnold Palmer passes away, it was good to, as I said, immerse myself in amateur golf. It was a wonderful event. And AP, I just have to start with your thoughts on Arnold Palmer. You, like me, have covered many golf tournaments, so I know it's uh, near and dear to your heart. Yeah, John, besides being a a fabulous golfer, he was the athlete that made marketing and promotion and advertising in in Madison Avenue. He was the king. He was the king on the golf course and off the golf course. So that's the two images that I have of Arnold Palmer. He he made it uh, available for all the other athletes that followed him in all the sports. He, he was number one with, uh, of course, his, his partner there, uh, McCormick, who started that IMG yep. way back. Mark McCormick. Mark McCormick. And, yep. and, and they revolutionized and actually in, invented an industry. Correct. It wasn't, we're not just talking about golf here. He basically was the first sports figure, or certainly the first successful sports figure, to really... Uh, take, you know, branding and marketing uh, and introduce it into mainstream America. And uh, so, yeah, he was just something else, you know, something I forgot that, of course, in all the tributes I've been seeing, uh, he uh, he started, he you know, he started the Golf Channel. <laughs> I think we all forget about that. Like he, he and just, I believe, one other guy, basically, but he was the, you know, 
major stake and the driving force behind the start of the Golf Channel, which today is, uh, again, if you have even a minimal interest in golf, uh, you know, you tune in from time to time to the Golf Channel for sure. And, uh, yeah, an interesting timing, too. I, I would, you know, with the Ryder Cup this week, I mean... It was going to happen, and if it happens, it's good that you know the the nation will be really, really tuned into golf this week, because I would think the tributes will be off the charts, and I would think that the U.S. team would play very inspired golf. Um, but it's really going to add to the whole Ryder Cup festivities, which in my mind is one of the great, great weekends in all of sports every every couple of years. Yeah, John, he, he had a flamboyant uh, personality and. When you're watching all the tributes last evening, I was amazed that people were so heartfelt by every time they met him. And he looked him in the eye, signed the autograph to make it legible. And you're thinking, here's the fellow who kind of pioneered meeting his fans, Arnie's Army, and why some of these other athletes do not follow suit with some of the simple suggestions that he would make you don't you, you're wondering how come everyone doesn't act like arnie yes and I, I heard his specific quote regarding that topic which was simply you know to other golfers and i'm sure other athletes in general and celebrities he just said if you're going to sign an autograph make sure they make sure they can read it and he did he just every autograph he signed and uh and yeah and my son had uh caddied at Bay Hill Pro-Am this year uh, in March, and before it, I said, be sure to get us a picture of your show uh, with Arnold Palmer, and he did. Oh, my and, goodness, uh, that's fabulous. Uh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, so the, the last Bay Hill that Arnie attended at his course, so uh, to say that's a lifetime treasure would be an understatement, and, and I have a friend who basically has met scores of famous athletes, uh, you know, in all sports, and he's never hesitated since the day I met him to say, you know, the the, the greatest person he ever met by far. There's not even a close second. There there is no other part to his list. It's Arnold. It's Arnold Palmer who spoke at an event that he attended uh, years ago, and so he has carried that through the rest of his life. And he is one of simply millions of people who would say the same thing. Yeah, he, he walked with presidents, but he was a common man, and he had that touch with the, with the folks. Correct. He sure did. And, you know, uh, I, I can proudly say that, you know, I'm a fellow Western Pennsylvanian, and I think, uh, you know, there's a certain Western Pennsylvania touch that, that a lot of people have, which is just simply, you know, uh, let's just say when you grow up there, you, you do not distinguish by people's station in life, period. You treat everybody the same, period. And that's just kind of a Western Pennsylvania thing. It's not exclusive to there, but it's certainly prevalent there. And uh, so, yeah, to just grow up there and really during Arnie's heyday, uh, you, you know, he, he, to say he was an icon uh, in, in the Alleghenies would truly be an understatement. Uh, so he really, uh, you, you know was truly special and the the king i mean there's no, nothing more you can say when you when someone's called the king that's the end of the conversation right there as to the as to the greatness right and i think 
I don't believe he was the, maybe the best golfer of all time, but he was certainly one of the greatest. But he, he uh, transcended the sport, and, and that's why I think he, he'll wear that title, the king, forever. Correct. And as I said to start the show, everybody, I don't want to repeat myself, but everybody has an Arnie story, and I have mine, which is, you know, attending the U.S. Open, this 1973 at Oakmont, his home course, basically, near La Trobe in, in, in Pittsburgh. And, uh, and he had a tremendous round. Some have called it the last great day of Arnie's Army. Shot uh, something like six under. Was in the uh, was right at the top of the leaderboard going into Sunday, and I never forgot it. And that day sparked for me a lifelong interest in golf, as you know, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> both playing and covering it. And uh, you know, standing here right now, I can literally hear the echoes of Arnie's Army that day, of which I was a member, of course. <laughs> you know, just. <laughs> Echoing through the rolling hills of Western Pennsylvania was again uh, one of his greatest days ever. Maybe his last great day uh, contending for a major. And uh, so, yeah, it, it was special. And then yesterday started so strangely, uh, stra- a sad day in sports. You know, with the boating, the death in a boating accident of Jose Fernandez, who. You know, if you had even a rudimentary interest in baseball, you knew exactly who he was. And just a tragic ending and just something we have seen far too often in the world of sports. Obviously, he was a hero to the Cuban community in Miami. Yeah, John, people use that word sometime when it's not appropriate. That certainly was a tragedy, as you stated. Young man came to this country, did well was a symbol of hope for many Cuban-Americans, and to have his life taken at such a young age is very, very sad, and, and I know that his name will live on, maybe in the same vein that like a Roberto Clemente, but even though he didn't have that type of career, he, it wasn't that long, but maybe for the Cuban people, his name will live on in, in the same way that Roberto Clemente did with all the people from Puerto Rico. Oh, exactly, and you know, Sticking, of course, he played for the Pirates, sticking with the Western Pennsylvania theme. And again, growing up in Western PA, there it was Roberto Clemente and it was Arnold Palmer. They, they, were, they, they were the two uh, towering figures in Western Pennsylvania. The Steelers were, had, hadn't gotten good yet, shall we say, and that's a kind statement. And uh, <laughs> the Penguins weren't even invented. Yeah. In the 60s. <laughs> and so that was it. It was Arnie and Roberto Clemente uh, and Bill Mazeroski, of course. And uh, right. yes, apparently, uh, you know, and Jose Fernandez, you know, he got here on his fourth attempt, uh, you know, to get out of Cuba and into my, you know, and into Miami. And uh, again, you know, four attempts, that tells you, I think, all you need to know, all as a young boy in like the 10 to 15 range. Age range, he got here at 15, and went to high school in Tampa, and uh, again, you, you know, all I can say is yesterday was just the strangest day, you know, just to have the day start a Sunday morning with, you know, the news of a life cut too short, and then to have the day end with the, the, the news of another passing, but yet of someone who truly squeezed every moment 
possible out of a long, long life. Uh, again, the you know, you know the parallel there is just uh, really, really strange to say the least. Yeah, life has many twists and turns, John. So every day you just do the best you can because you don't know what tomorrow brings. And, That's it. And, and, and that was emphasized, uh, particularly yesterday on Sunday. That's exactly right, AP. Well said. And on that note, why don't we take our break? Uh, lots to get to on the other side, starting with, uh, of course, Les Miles being fired at LSU. So we will talk about that after the break. This week on The Revolution with Jim and Trav, we're all about bugs. This week on The Revolution with Jim and Trav, we're all about bucks and bows. Archery seasons are in full swing across the country, and big buck selfies are popping up all over social media. We're ready to get in on the action. Joining us is Mike Eastman of Eastman's Hunting TV, Jim Skelton of Shooting USA, Carlos Martinez, Senior Product Manager at Remington, and Cinch Brand Manager Jill Getster. It's presented by Outdoor Channel, Sportsman Channel, and World Fishing Network. Friday afternoons at 1 Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter. Formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams, Kwame's got the experience. So he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. Get ready for an unpredictable, fun, and sometimes sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., uh, it finally happened, a topic that you and I have discussed on this show uh, on a few occasions, the status, we'll call it, of less miles. And finally, uh, after Saturday night's Crazy, crazy ending uh, with LSU losing to Auburn. Uh, LSU pulled the trigger and fired him. John, I don't think it was um, a surprise that he was fired. I think it was probably a surprise it was so fast, you know, the next day. Uh, He had that issue for years now with clock mismanagement, inability to develop the quarterback's and the passing game was actually non-existent. It was just a hit-or-miss proposition. So I think those three areas were deficient, and the LSU folks had seen enough. They didn't want to give him a chance to recover and have a, a 
uh, some crucial wins the rest of the season with Alabama coming to town and some of these other teams. So they just said, we we're going to make a change, and we're going to do it right now. Exactly, exactly. We all remember, of course, that he was expected to be fired after his last game at home uh, in Baton Rouge last year, at the end of last year, but then he won, and the players carried him off the field, and uh, 15 minutes later, the AD's reversing field, literally, I think, in the locker room or whatever, and like the post-game, and... And, you know, less was kept on, but it was obviously a very, very short string. And I was watching that game live. And, you know, for anybody who wasn't watching it, uh, you know, it was LSU got the ball with one last down. There was one second on the clock left from, uh, you know, controversial play in the end zone. Uh you know, the play before. So what I don't understand about that AP, and then ultimately, so they got get the ball with one second. There's a timeout or a, an officials conference, whatever. Yes. And so I, I don't know yet if, like, LSU should have been totally lined up, like, in formation, because they weren't. They were, like, standing around, sort of waiting for the referees to finish their deal. And, you know, at, at, and at the moment of... Uh, you know, and then the referees kind of whistle it to get it started. Yeah. And this was after a first down. So it's like the clock kind of starts soon thereafter, but they have to place the ball first. And they said he didn't get the snap off within one second, which he didn't. I'm not arguing that, but yeah. it just seems kind of so maybe, I don't know, maybe LSU should have just been like right there with the center, his hands on the ball, ready to snap it, which they weren't. But it's just, I, I, I'm just a little unclear on the on the whole rule it seems like you know they should have been able to you know snap the ball in the one second that was left i don't know yeah john you know i'm not certain that there's a possibility to snap the ball with one second if the if the official places the ball blows the whistle they start the clock i don't know if there's a way for you to get a snap off i mean it's almost like in college basketball i think we'd have to have 0.8 sec point eight tenths of a second and right. all you can do is catch the ball and shoot it. I don't know if in football that you can actually snap uh, the, the ball to the quarterback within that second. It, it, when I saw that one second on the clock, I said I was watching the game live as you were. <clears throat> I said the game's going to be over. They're not going to be able to snap the ball. Correct. Correct. Um, but there, but there was all that mismanagement of the seconds. That, that oh, one, yeah. One play was like with 54 seconds and I believe the entire play, they either snapped it with after 26 seconds had passed, uh, which I believe, if I remember that correctly, or the play ended 26 seconds later after, after it was at 54. And they were in good, very good position to have a chance to win the game, but they just let the clock tick down. And for the life of me, I don't understand why Les Miles had trouble with the clock all these years. I, I just don't understand why he didn't hire somebody to be next to him at that point in the game to to uh, direct him what to do in the last two minutes of a ball game. He, he just failed at every turn. He got lucky a few years back in an Auburn situation where he threw the ball to the end zone and they, and they scored a touchdown, but they were trying to get a field goal, I think, for the win, but the clock just kept ticking down and they snapped the ball and he got a touchdown and beat Auburn, but this time they weren't so fortunate. 
Yeah, it's almost like it was a blind spot, uh, really, this clock management thing, as was, you know, having a 21st century passing game as well. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I was thinking this at the time as I'm watching it. The refs are conferring. The LSU team is kind of standing there behind them, you know, as in they're waiting. I, I, all I can say is, and I did think this at the time, was, you know, that they should be literally 100% lined up and that the moment the referee yes. places the ball on the hand, at that exact precise moment, the center yep. would have had to snap it like in a spl- literally a split second <laughs> right. with, with the quarterback <laughs> right behind him. Like it, it, yeah, and, it, they didn't care if the official was in the way or not. Run them, you know, whatever they had to do. As soon as he made a motion, boom! It, it, was, it was that like a snap of your fingers. Snap. That's exactly right. Like literally, the ball would have had to quote been on the ground for less than a second. Doable, clearly he the ball was in the center's hands. But it, right. I mean, you know, and not to be ignored is you know just to complete the story. Uh, yeah, LSU scored a touchdown when they snapped the ball. It was called a touchdown. Yes. LSU went as you would expect, absolutely crazy. I mean, and the Auburn fans were stunned. And then they reversed the call, and uh, you know. Then LSU fans were stunned, and the, the the team and the bench and Les Miles and the Auburn fans went crazy. And Gus Malzahn said post game immediately, you know, we knew they didn't get it off in time, which they didn't. I, there's there's yeah. no argument there. No, yeah. Um, but really, uh, I, I think the announcer said and he might be right about this. I mean, just has there ever been a more clear example of like you know? a game being decided upstairs than that. It truly was. Only in that LSU thought and acted like they had won. And this was not some two-second thing. This went on for a good minute, the LSU yes. celebration, easily. Yes, yes. Uh, John, were you when you were watching the game, and I didn't watch the replay, but it seemed to me that I, I, Les Miles met, might have even tried to call a timeout at some point, and he didn't realize he was out of timeouts. I thought I saw him try to signal for a timeout somewhere less than 50 seconds. All like Chris Weber in the national championship game in basketball? Yeah, I, I thought I saw him mouth the words timeout or how many timeouts do we have, and I'm thinking, you don't know that you just already took your third timeout you know, a few plays back uh, you know, prior, prior to making that gesture to the official. I'm thinking, I, I just I couldn't believe it. I, just, I was stunned. It was uh, truly, you know, one of the craziest endings to a game ever. And, you know, that's saying something given it was just, you know, last weekend that there was that crazy call with, uh, was it Central Michigan and beating Oklahoma State by... Oklahoma uh, State, yeah, a couple weeks ago, whatever it was. Right, yeah, that was a a weird thing that happened as well at the the end of the game. Very weird. I I kind of blamed that on Oklahoma coaching staff. Correct. To the officials. Right. Uh, quickly, you know, in that game, the referees added. Uh, Oklahoma State had an intentional grounding, and the referees, it shouldn't have been an extra play awarded, but it was. The clock should have run out. It didn't. An extra play was awarded, and uh, and Central Michigan hit a Hail Mary that was crazy in that the guy caught it at the five and lateraled as he was falling down to a trailing player, tra- trailing teammate who ran the five yards into the end zone across the field, like not, 
he ran 50 yards to get that last five yards, put it that way. So, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, again, you, you can't make this stuff up. But one of the back to less miles. I mean, one thing I heard specifically this morning was that the reason, the big reason he was fired, and we've already sort of touched on it, but was basically that he, unlike Nick Saban, failed to modernize his offense. I'm sure you've probably heard that kicking yeah. around as well, and it's something you can relate to. You cover Alabama football, so uh, you know exactly what that means. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, yes, John. He, Les Miles is a good football coach. There's no question. And he recruits great talent from that state. I mean, there's all types of teams trying to come in there and take players, but he's able to put the fence up so they don't leave the state. But he's under that Bo Schembechler uh, tree, and Bo was stubborn with, with yep. his offenses, and, and Les was the same way. I mean, Cam Cameron, he brought him there to put in that passing game, but I don't know if he really let him let, let him loose to put in that modern-type pro-style uh, passing game because he certainly has the receivers that are going to be drafted into the pros and play at the next level. And have but, been drafted, needless yeah, to say. Been drafted. Odell Beckham, start with, start with them. <laughs> right. And uh, so he's as much to blame for his firing as anyone. I mean, it's just pure stubbornness. Yeah, you're right. Uh, you know, and it's particularly amazing now, you know, just when you look at it and see just all these great quarterbacks out there, some of them freshmen who are just, you know, We'll call them seven-on-seven products from the state of Texas to start with, where there just seems to be an endless supply of these kids who just know how to light it up, period, even as 18-year-old freshmen. So how he didn't get one of them, I'll never know. I don't know. I mean, and that's another uh, area where he he didn't show good judgment because you're, you're recruiting quarterbacks, and not a one of them really has blossomed. Um, under under uh, less miles. Exactly right. I mean, exactly right. So, it, it just again, crazy. I mean, he'll, you know, I, I'm going to guess he'll be off the rest of the year, take off, whatever you want to call it, but there is no doubt in my mind he will be hired again soon, and I think he's going to be hired by what I'll call a team on the bubble, a team that just seems yeah. like they're right there, about yeah. to hit the big time, and they're going to hire less. They're going to look at less miles. They're going to say, "Well, he's the guy that can put us over the top." And I, and I think he might be. You know, I, I really, right. I, I like him too. He's a good coach. You said it. Yeah, yeah he's very likable. He's a likable person. He he has fun, and uh, he's interesting to cover. I've spoken to many of people in Louisiana about the daily press conferences and. He's always engaging, and uh, you know he doesn't have any off-the-field issues that I've ever heard. For, you know, coming out of Baton Rouge, so and he can he can coach the running game for sure. There's no question. Correct, and not only have I never heard of off-field issues, I thought he stood tall, and I've said this before in recent weeks. Uh, I thought he stood really tall, and. Uh, the flooding down in Baton Rouge earlier this month. Uh, you know, he had a lot on his plate going on this summer. And, uh, and I, I thought he, he stood tall through all of it. So can't wait to see where he ends up because I guarantee, 
assuming he wants to coach again, I can't imagine he wouldn't, that he's going to end up at a, a pretty high-profile school uh, soon, sooner rather than later. Yeah, yeah, I think so. He's a good candidate. You don't have to question his background or all these other off-the-field episodes that some coaches might have. So, and presidents are always looking to, you know, have somebody that they can speak to and not be afraid to have a conversation. He just seems like one of those type of coaches. Correct, and he has one thing for sure, and that's big game experience at a big school. <laughs> that's putting it mildly. Right. He, he knows how to, to deal with a rabid fan base. <laughs> yeah, right. He's not afraid to compete in the arena. You know, played at Michigan and right. uh, coaching at LSU. Exactly right. Well, AP, hard to believe we've come to the end of our third segment, so why don't we take our final break, and we'll get back with a little more college football on the other side. Sports and medicine go hand-in-hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine. From the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week, Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Check your feelings at the door and enter the Man Cave. Don't let the name fool you, because we're here for anybody that wants to talk and listen in. Host J.D. Harris and friends are here to lead the forum from the fans, former players, owners, execs, and coaches. While inside the Man Cave, you do whatever you like. We won't judge. We'll even go beyond sports to talk technology, current events, and entertainment. Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific time 3 p.m eastern time on the voice america sports channel become our friend on facebook post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline visit facebook.com forward slash voice america you're listening to all around sports with your host john inglesby become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144 that's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. I'm your host, John Inglesby. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And before we get started, my pick of the week weekend for appointment viewing is Louisville Clemson, number three versus number five, uh, Saturday night, eight o'clock. Should be awesome. And AP, I think we're going to find out that night uh, who's for real and who, who might not be. Uh, th- that could be a great game. John, those are two quarterbacks that 
might be in that highest, well, are on the highest been raised, so this might be, go a long way to determining who gets the majority of votes. Yes, I think it just has the potential to be really, uh, you, you know, something special, uh, to say the least, and uh, it's going to be great. But let's talk about some games that actually have already occurred. Uh, you know, I'm going to go right to Wisconsin, who... Uh, they have to be, they're for real now. They're, now, there's a team for real because they opened the season beating, of course, LSU up at Lambeau. They beat Notre Dame in South Bend last week, and then they go into Michigan State. Uh, excuse me, no, Wisconsin beat Michigan State in Michigan State this past weekend, and Michigan State the week before had gone into South Bend and beaten Notre Dame. So all of a sudden, I think the Badgers are... Uh, you know, going to prove that uh, Ohio State and Michigan don't necessarily own the Big Ten, that's for sure, at minimum. Yeah, John, obviously they're not afraid to compete, and they won two big games against, let's say, top 15 opponents, and one was on the road, and, and you know, that held them to six points at home. That's quite a feat when you're holding Michigan State to just uh, six points. And you win by 24. That, that's that's very impressive. Now I don't. I'm not familiar with their schedule down the road, uh, where they might play some of these teams. But I'd be circling that Wisconsin game if I was a Big Ten coach. Exactly right. Um, you know, I think maybe a lot of people might have looked at that first game. I did to a degree, and just say, well, it's Wisconsin playing at Lambeau Field. You know, in the in the opener. So they, you know, had a bigger adrenaline rush going into that game, beating LSU. But now three weeks later, given the way everything's turned out for LSU and for Wisconsin, uh, we now know they're a good team. And uh, But, you know, there were other, and that leads right into, of course, Notre Dame. Uh, it's coming off the rails for Notre Dame, big time. They lost to Duke. Uh, let me repeat that. They lost to Duke. <laughs> at home, <laughs> In, right, at home. At home. In South Bend on Saturday, giving up 38 points. Lost 38-35, and uh, Brian Kelly basically told the media, highly unusual, that every job is basically uh, under review, shall we say. Uh, it, again, it's falling apart in South Bend, to say the least. John, my, I've just had this position for, I'm guessing maybe a decade that until Notre Dame can play defense, every game the majority of the responsibility to win is on the offense. And you just can't have a successful program relying on the play of your quarterback and your offense every game. Somewhere along the line, you're going to have to play defense. And whether it's in this new age of football where you're giving up, let's say, 24 points, you stop somebody at the end to win the game. Right. Exactly. And, you know, I mean, I already referenced it. I mean, I'm sure it hurt even worse to have, to lose to Duke and then look at the scoreboard and see that the team that beat them in South Bend the week earlier, Michigan State, had just been trounced by yeah. Wisconsin. That's just adding insult to injury. Uh, I don't know. I, you know, I, I can't help but wonder if uh, you, you know how far south this might go, and, and what that could mean for Brian Kelly. Uh, maybe Les Miles will have a shot at that job before the season's out, because 
Yeah, and I only say that because you, there's the obvious what's happening this year, but then there's the you know there's the undercurrent of how Brian Kelly has acted on the sidelines over the years, yelling, and has been warned or at minimum spoken to about his demeanor on the sidelines. Uh, I remember that story, you know, a year or two ago, kind of earlier in his tenure. tenure. So, you, you know, I, I think that's a situation that might need to be watched closely. I think he was re-upped for a tremendous uh, amount of money over a long period of years fairly recently. So, But Notre Dame wouldn't care about that. If, if no, they no, feel they, it's time, they'll, they'll move on. Yeah, they, they normally let their coach finish their contract. But in this day and age, John... Maybe even Notre Dame, as you, as you saw. They fired the defensive coordinator. I don't know if I've seen that happen. Uh, at Notre, if you've seen that happen in South Bend, I can't recall the coach getting fired in the middle of the season. I just, Correct. Oh, I, happened, I totally but agree. I'm not familiar. Yeah, yeah. It's a different world now, and Notre Dame's part of it. So I'd say anything is possible there. I, I, I really do believe that. Uh, you know, I, I think the next couple of weeks will determine – uh, where it's all headed, to say the least. Uh, and USC, another you know perennial power, uh, off to a what one and three start, I believe. Uh, right. Yeah, Utah. I mean, that was the second best finish of the weekend after Auburn LSU uh, drove the field, scored with something that sounds like 16 seconds to go for the winning touchdown. I was watching that. That was awesome. Uh, US and USC played a good game, but Utah yeah. just is a good team too. Yeah, and we're able to get it done. Yeah, you get too many fumbles and too many opportunities, and on the possessions, that's your edge. You lost your edge, and uh, USC things could come apart there. I mean, they have to play all these other Pac-12 schools and go on the road, and so it, it, it seems like a long year for the Trojans. And Notre Dame as well. Yeah, so in a nutshell, AP, I mean, the, the way to say it is pretty simple. USC played well. Utah played well. Utah, Utah beat them fair and square. And that just is not going to sit. That's not going to work at USC, that Utah is basically, at this moment, a better program. Because, again, USC played very well. That was a good game. Yeah. And we now have a world, we live in a world where... Utah has a better football program than USC, period. They both played well. Utah won. They deserve to win. Yeah, we'll see how the uh, Utah program does the rest of the way. And, you know, maybe this win won't look so bad if they win the, the conference or something. You know, but I, I, I would think that USC, they'll probably just stay with their coach all the way through and see what happens. I don't think. Oh, yeah, won. oh, I agree. I agree I with that. I, I, don't, I, don't, I wouldn't see Lynn Swan saying we're just going to fire the coach at this moment because he knows that he's on a uh, you know a short leash even though they just made him the head coach uh, last year after being an intern for a few games oh yeah I, I believe no matter what yeah. uh, he has that job and lastly just real quick we're under 30 seconds but Tennessee they're starting to look good too nice comeback again uh, to beat Florida and get rid of that. What was it? Eleven years. Eleven years losing streak. So that was impressive. Yeah, John Tennessee. I, I believe has been playing so tight uh, the last few games because the pressure's on from them to, for them to win that division, which they should. They should win that Correct. division. 
Yep. They're, they're, they're a better team than George, I, I believe, and, and Florida as well because you were hosting the Gators. So maybe now, from here on out, they'll play loose. Anyway, I'm not saying they won't lose, but they'll be a little bit more, uh, you know, have some fun on the football field and show their right. talents. And play a good first half as well and have not have to come back every second half. But, AP, as always, thank you for your expertise. Great show. And, uh, again, always appreciate your perspective. So look forward to doing it again next Monday. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, my pleasure. All right. And thank you all for listening to All Around Sports. And we look forward to doing it again next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. And we'll talk sports again next week.